Hey, everybody. Welcome to Podcasting for Humans, honest conversations about podcasting problems. Every week on Podcasting for Humans, a different podcaster brings a podcast problem, struggle, or doubt to the table, and we process it together. I'm Richard Clark. I'm the owner of Area Code Audio, a podcasting agency that exists to help people make podcasts. And my guest today is Debbie Abraham. Debbie is a writer, thinker, and a co-host of the excellent podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? It's a podcast about moving past purity culture and untangling sexual ethics for a new generation of Christians. She also lives and writes with her family on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations in Melbourne, Australia. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. It's lovely to meet you. Absolutely. So... Tell me a little bit about what's on your mind today. Right. So um, I've been co-hosting Where Do We Go From Here since kind of late 2019. And I love this show. I love what we do. I love the conversations we get to have. And we've built kind of a niche, small a good-sized audience. I'm never sure, like, by what metric, what is small, medium, uh-huh. or large, but it feels like a, a great supportive audience of people who really get what we do and appreciate what we do. And I think for me, what's really hard is to figure out every time we make a show, when you make something good, you want people to listen to it. Um, and that's not just because like to stroke your ego or anything like that. It's because you really think like this conversation will help people. And it's very, very hard to kind of figure out when you've done that. And so I think that's one thing for me, kind of looking into this next phase of podcasting for us, where we know our audience, we know what to create um, confident in how to make it and who to have those conversations with. I feel like it's mm-hmm. never enough. How do I know? Like, is there a number that I'm looking for? A number of downloads, a number of listeners? Is this where I feel anxious because we don't have sponsors and we need monetization because we have to pay for yeah. this thing to work too? So we have a Patreon. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of different questions <laughs> wrapped yeah. up into one, but yeah. I love that. I, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me there is that phrase, it's never enough. It stuck out to me for two reasons. One is like, uh, I think that's something everyone will relate to, whether or not they make podcasting podcasts, right? Like um, that is not a podcasting problem. That's a human problem that we live with day in, day out. But I, I, the other thing is I wanted to ask, what is the it? What is the What is the thing that you find most bothers you and makes you think like there should be more of fill in the blank. Is it audience? Is it money? Is it like, uh, what of those things is it? Ultimately, I think it's audience with money Mm -hmm. being a a close second. And again, like I didn't start podcasting to get rich (laughs) podcasting to be clear, but, but you know, you're spending time to make the product good quality and, and there is that feeling of like, I'd like this time to be compensated. Right. That's right. Yes. And I think that's more than fair. It's, it's correct. I think a lot of times people, 
especially when you do things that you love, you want to do them for free because you would do them for free and people seem to think you should do them for free. But the reality is they're not sustainable that way. And we've all learned, I think more recently, yes. that you'll burn out that way. <laughs> yes. So this, there is this tension and I feel it in my everyday life where it's like doing what I love to do in a way that is sustainable, that is both good and sustainable. And yes. I'm really curious. I have so many questions off the bat about so much that you said, but the first question I think is most foundational here that'll help us continue is like, what is that audience? You said, and this is good to me, you said, you know your audience. And I've listened to the podcast and I love the podcast, but I do also like, I am curious, like who you think the audience is. I'm, my guess is it's maybe not me. People like me. It's not you, Richard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's okay. Because I tell people all the time, like, you got to think about, this is sort of basic marketing stuff, but you got to think about what's the bullseye of that target. The other targets, the outer rings, I'm probably on the second, third, or fourth ring somewhere. But like, you got to think about that initial middle bullseye first. And lean into yeah. that. So who is that bullseye for you? Yeah, and, and fair enough. The, the truth is we have not um, asked our audience who they are in a long time. Mm -hmm. So the truth is oh, I, could, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong about this. But I would say yep. the bullseye is women kind of 30 to probably 45, sometimes younger. So maybe 25 or early 20s to, to 45, yep. but definitely like 30 to 45. And I am guessing they're probably mostly white, um, even though that's not intentional. Um, but yeah. I think it's a lot of white women very much interested in the after effects of purity culture. I think they definitely have a root system in um, white evangelicalism and, uh, mm. you know, everything that that involves. They've read books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, they've read the marriage books. I would say I don't know where they are at in terms of divide on married and single because we definitely make the show for both. Um, so yeah. I think I I don't know if we're evenly split married and single. I don't know if we are more single, more married. I'm not sure. But um, it's it's a woman who is very tired of what she has been told her whole life. Um, right. is what makes a good woman, what makes good female behavior. She finds it quite empty, the uh, the promises of purity culture, and she's really found that mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Some of them are parenting and thinking about how to not screw it up with their kids. Some of them yep. have left the church um, altogether uh, because of, in part, because of purity culture. And some of them are very much in the church and still evangelical, still even conservative in their theology. I'm not sure actually where our audience is on terms uh, in terms of like the big questions that evangelicals have about sexuality, which I don't think right. are the right questions, but these are the big questions, right? Like what do we yeah, believe about yeah. premarital sex and how are we going to live? Um, uh -huh. Or what do we believe about LGBTQIA? quote unquote stuff as, as straight people tend to think about, about it. Um, I'm not sure if they trend more towards affirming and have good consenting sex with whomever you want and, or if they trend towards abstinence is the right way. And I'm not affirming. I I'm not sure about that. So we, we try to, to tailor our episodes for the range and, and that's yeah. on, 
on purpose. So it feels like you, you actually have a really solid grasp on who your audience is. And, and that grasp is like centered in sort of a certain age of, of woman who grew up in evangelical purity culture. And that is pretty specific. That's actually like really nicely specific. And you talked about conversations that you know will help people. And I'm curious if you feel attention between the kinds of conversations that get attention and the conversations that truly help people. 100%. 100%. Because we are in a topic where we could do an episode every single week that is Mm -hmm. critiquing some part of evangelicalism. Because, I mean, listen, Mm. (laughs) there's so much to critique. And uh, they keep giving us material every single week of um <laughs> of like oh yet another terrible thing that somebody did right that stuff is that stuff never ends and and without question when i look at our statistics the stuff that gets heard over and over again um or the stuff that gets shared is are the episodes that are looking very critically is something that's recently happened so a, a most recent example for me is our the episode that has been downloaded I'm not sure if it's at the most of all time of our show, but definitely the fastest, the most. Um, Mm -hmm. It probably cracked our top 10 episodes of all time within a week or two weeks. Um, So it was on the Sound of Freedom documentary, right? Um, Interesting. Yeah. Now the episode, I'm really proud of the episode. It is not an inflammatory conversation. It's with somebody who Uh really knows what she's talking about. Um, And it's on the the subject of, I guess, what we miss from the human trafficking uh, conversation. Um, But I titled it in a way, I titled it on purpose because I knew this is is what's going to get the clicks. So the title is Human Trafficking is Terrible, The Sound of Freedom Misses the Point or something like that. And that was... Oh, yeah. Interesting. So that it was an on purpose title because I knew it would grab people's attention. It was within the news cycle of the sound of freedom and evangelicals in the US getting angry about, you know, liberal critique, supposed liberal liberal critique of the movie. And sure enough, I mean, that, 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 episode got downloaded. So I I guess as opposed to the conversations that we have with maybe like theologians or therapists, or just everyday people exploring like, what I would call, you know, you're finding the beauty, not looking in the past and finding the beauty, but kind of going, what does it take to actually rebuild? You know, what does it take to rebuild a sexual ethic? What does it take to rebuild a life after purity culture? The, the ones where you're actively looking for tools. So I was looking through the episodes and there are some I would have thought had done pretty well. Um, the, one of them is sex toys for Christian dummies. Um, I can look, I can how- check. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious, like if there was a feeling that that did really well, because you just brought, I had in my mind, two categories of episodes you do, but basically it feels like you do like episodes that are, let's put it this way. Where were we? There's episodes of where were we? And then there's episodes of where do we go from here? And the sex toys one feels like the second category, right? It's what do we do now? How do we live now? How can we think through this in a way without of that all out all of that baggage? And then there's the 
where were we? And it's processing sort of where people are. And um, the Secrets of Hillsong being a great example, right? Like yes. that's another one. But I think the the category you're talking about is it's really that where were we? But it's it's also attached to like a hot topic of some sort. So my theory, and I'm this is why I'm asking about the sex toys thing. My theory is it's not so much that you're tying them to flashpoints in the news, though that does help. I mean, we know how the internet works, so inherently that's going to work. But I think one of the reasons that work is because it makes a thing concrete. I think one of the things I was seeing about your some of your other, like, at least titles, and I've listened to a couple, yeah. like I listened to a few, but they they don't exactly, like, push to the forefront this is the concrete thing you are experiencing in your life right now that we're going to address, right? Okay. Um, Tell me more. Does that I, make I, sense? I, I, no, I want to hear more because I think I, I yeah. think I understand what you're saying, but go on. I, yeah. Okay. So let me look at the most recent. So yes, the stories that obvious. shape us, break us, and make us. Yeah, yeah that is, and um, or even evangelicalism failed our girls. That one I listened to and thought was. Excellent. Like yeah. such a great episode. Evangelicalism failed our girls. Here's how we can do better. It, it gets there. It's like a middle point almost. Yeah. But it is not exactly calling out the pain point or the thing we are facing in our lives right now in the same way that like a hot news item might like be a recognizable thing. Right. Um, or, or frankly, in the way that like wondering, I'm wondering what to think about sex toys. And also, like, that is just like a grabby, hooky thing that makes you want to uh, listen to that. And so, um, and it's also like you all are doing something very different than certainly any Christian podcasts are doing and very different than what a lot of sexuality or or, um, even gender related podcasts are doing. And so I think the concrete demonstrates that the most, I would say. Okay. Does that resonate at all? Yeah. Well, this is a, this is a, Richard. I'm going to have to go back and listen to what you just said, <laughs> um, to uh-huh. to everything you just said. Actually. Um, so, okay. Can I ask then, if you were going to title that that episode, "Evangelicalism Failed Our Girls," here's how we can do better. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Ooh, okay. So I wish um, I would think about it for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come up with something. That's yeah. the answer. But it would. But there were so many like really striking statistics. Um, the there yeah. was like the sixty four percent number or something in that episode yeah. that was about like what was that number referring to? But I just remember it being like shocking to me and applying. Yeah. It felt like to my life or the people around me. Their yeah, life. so maybe um, it was about modesty. Like if they heard something about modesty teaching, then sixty four percent later, I don't remember. I they're like experience yeah. abusive relationships or something. I don't, yeah, we should not guess, but but yeah. basically it was something striking like that. And I think the the idea, it also like this idea that you are more having heard that teaching, you are more likely to end up in sort of marriages that you are not wanting to actually be in. Yeah. Those are things people live through and like are still processing and still trying to think through and it applies directly to them. So this phrase, our girls, I think can feel a little abstract. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe I'm a different person than some audiences, but like, I think, um, I think that started to hit home for me as a person with a daughter 
not to mention a wife, right? But like um, to people who are living that stuff out, I think it would resonate with them as well. Like those, those situations they may actually be in. I think. So a title like 67% of something, something. Or even maybe ignoring the stat and just say why so many who were in purity culture are in failed marriages or something like that or are in struggling marriages, how purity culture makes marriage harder. Yep. Things like that. Yeah. You know, I'm really not directly answering your question, but this is a roundabout way of like sort of getting at, you really raise this question of what kind of conversations will help people. Mm -hmm. My guess is that that sound of freedom episode really helped people because you probably knew what you really wanted to talk about and you used it to talk about that, right? Yeah, that no, I, I, I think you're, I think you're right. That is a conversation um, with this particular person, with Lauren Pinkston, that I had wanted to have on the idea of, basically, I think the thing for me is we have a lot of righteous anger about this big sort of sexualized topic. But the reality yeah. is our lives, we employ trafficked people every day because of our our consumption choices. And we don't seem to care yeah. about that. Um, that's kind of the heart yeah. of why I think it's practical. Same thing. Yeah. And, and to me, the tie in for purity cultures, we talk a lot about like, we were always told about modesty, 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 never about who makes your clothes. And so like you're mm. wearing modest clothing that employs a slave to, to create that clothing is God pleased with that? <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that that that's kind of for me, that was my personal little thing. But I think the reality is that people, when something is happening in the news, when there's a big touch point, people want to hear other people talking about it. And sometimes we can't talk about those, we can't have those conversations in real life. Um, and so that's mm. that's one kind of episode, I guess, that I've realized is really important for us to do is to be the people talking about it so that people can have that conversation through somebody else, if that makes sense. Yes. When I was listening to your podcast, all I could think is people don't have these conversations with their friends, really. People are not able to fully, vulnerably, truthfully have these conversations with the people they are closest to in their lives, including their spouses. And that is both a travesty, a tragedy. It's also a huge opportunity for a podcast like this. And I think it makes it so important, right? It, it is it is such an important thing for a podcast like this. You talked about, you don't know whether, you know, your audience is big, small, medium. I think the the question I have is like, what would give you contentment in doing this? Like not to put you on the spot, but like, what is the thing that would make you feel like this is enough? And I, and I think I'm kind of answering that in, in three categories. One is audience like number one is audience reaction and one is sustainability. I'm not exactly asking you to tell me those numbers, like what would make it work, but I would love for you to talk a little bit about what, generally that would feel like yeah i i have no idea actually in terms mm. of the number so a number probably a number that trends towards growth so improvement 
which we have that that is what has happened to our show but i think ultimately and and this is where richard the business marketing side is a little like complicated right yep. do people just start emailing me to say can we run ads on your show is that the best way to monetize do i guess it's it's a sense to which like the podcast can pay for itself and um yeah i think that is the sign to me maybe that that the audience size is sufficient. I would say the other thing probably is that we are influencing the conversation on the subject. I think, and mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure how to know that, but that is, that's a big one for me. And, and in a lot of ways, I feel like I do already have that because we get the emails from listeners or the DMs or whatever that goes, this really influenced, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or, I wish I had had this, you know, five years ago and this would have kept me out of that relationship or whatever, um, or that church. And yeah, so that I do feel like we have really great listeners who, who do communicate with us. I mean, you have a Patreon, right? Yes. How is that going? Is that, is that feel like it's growing? Is that sustaining you at all what yeah is that like? yeah so i mean there's definitely something there so uh it pays for like our libsyn you know account every month yeah. and that is and that's great so patreon is going well and more importantly i think the people in patreon are really like a lot a lot of times our sounding board for for the show mm -hmm. itself and that's really mm -hmm. really useful but again, like, I I mean, I'd love for it to be able to pay for like the childcare, for example, that it takes yep. to, to make the show. I'd love for it, you know, I'd love for it to be able to pay me a salary for maybe two days of work. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's what it feels like it takes to kind of make the podcast and promote the podcast. And it doesn't do that. So yeah, and Patreon feels like it's a bit of a mixed bag. It's definitely grown. Again, it's on a growth trajectory. This is definitely a podcast that benefits from a Patreon. You have those those closer that closer knit audience that likes probably really appreciates a, a really a community where everyone's sort of on the same page in that specific way. And I I mean my my gut for something like this is to lean into that as much as possible. Don't yeah. assume you've hit the ceiling until you've tried a lot of things. And I can tell like you're trying a lot of things. You can hear that on the show. You're doing a lot of, you're having fun with it. And I think like one of the cool things about a Patreon is it does lower the stakes on everything that you produce for the Patreon. Mm -hmm. That can feel fun. It can also create more vulnerable elements. It can create like a place where people are hearing you a little bit more authentically. Mm -hmm. And that can be really valuable also for like resulting in a better show altogether. Mm -hmm. Um so that could be really valuable. I also think though, like I'm not going to tell you not to try to find ads because that becomes a marketing opportunity for the Patreon as well. Once you, you have like ad free versions that you offer people right. and stuff like that. So there's a lot, there's a lot that can be done. And like, as we're sort of closing out here, yeah. I think like the thing to think about is like, how can you create opportunities and incentives for your audience that you know is connecting with what you're doing to continue to support you even more than they have been. And I think a lot of people like are really looking for those opportunities. A lot of people aren't and you can, you know, watch out for those people and take care of those people with a good 
solid main feed show. But I think that creating communities where people are interacting in a way they can not anywhere else, um, both with you and each other, can be a really valuable space and can result in a lot of like, I don't know, like does does that feel like something that has, do you feel like you've you've hit the cap on the Patreon at all? Or do you feel like there's a lot to mine there? No, I, I definitely think there's still a lot to, to mine there. And I think, you know, the last two years, which has been our largest group of people in Patreon, but I think retention has been a little tricky the last year and a mm. half just because of the economic times that we live in, right? Yep. Um, and I think it's really, I think when you're making a podcast, I think you do get to, like, you do think, and Richard, I hardly listen to podcasts. Like, ever like hardly <laughs> i i'm mm-hmm. one of those like drives in the car silently people um yep. and i i think there are a lot of people that are just like i can only take so much of listening right um yeah. or like i'm part of this community but i can't listen to everything so i think for the people who are there to listen to something and it's not about just supporting the show i think a lot of times retention is an issue because they're like i can't like i I can't listen to this. You know, I can't keep up. That is so real. And that's why I think we should distinguish between Patreon being bonus content, which I think is like the primary way most podcasts talk about them versus a community. And it doesn't even need to be a Patreon, but like you want to create communities for people. No, this is a very interesting because this is something I guess we've never done. Um, So what I think of immediately, I guess, is um, I have a little co-host who has joined me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> for everyone listening, what I think of immediately are the podcasts that had Facebook groups, I guess, or a private Facebook group. I think of the liturgists, right. I think had a really big one. Um, yep. Is that what you're thinking of? Or what, what are you, how are you thinking we would concretely go about making those communities? I think there's a lot of different ways. Facebook group is sort of the old way to do it. And I've, and a lot of people still do it. Discord, Slack, I've seen it done that way. And then I've seen it done through Patreon or through emails or through live streams. It's less about the method and more about putting that connection piece first in between. Like it is the way that people opt in to say, I'm a huge fan of yours and would like to talk about this or would like to engage about this more and coming up with ways to make that happen. It could even, frankly, it could even mean like the opportunity to take part in the main show in some way. Um, And so I think like there are a lot of ways it's, it's more about pulling those people in as far as you can. That was very profound. Richard, as I said before, I'm going to need to listen back to this podcast again. (laughs) Like to just take notes. Because that what you said about the titles and what you said about this community aspect um, is really a really good point. This really points to something in my personality, which I was very much like, let's make the show. I want to publish the show and I want to get on with my life. That was kind of uh-huh. my, yes, that's my, yes, that's a thing. Yep. 
thing, right? Because I yeah. am, and that's the journalist side of me. Like I loved the mm. reporting. I loved the writing. I even loved the editing process. And then you get it out there and then it's done, you know, like let's move on with our lives. Let's on to the next thing. And my yeah. co-host, Jess, she's the one who is really like, people want to keep talking about this. And so we do do that in the big debrief, which is that one Zoom call that we do once a month. But I think okay. you're right that that is a big opportunity to to tell people, like, come join us and talk to us, or maybe even like increase in quantity that number of times that we we have that, you know, Zoom conversation. I don't know, you know, I, I'm just spitballing here. But well, there's a reason that partnerships are like incredibly valuable, and one of the reasons is the things. <laughs> you don't want to do she can take and run with and and it sounds like that community piece may be hers to sort of own and 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 sort of take initiative with because but i think in, it's it's more of a framing thing right yeah. like it's more like what you're taught what we're talking about is how do we make people um it sounds like you have a sustainability problem with yeah. the podcast let's just call it that yeah and like you need to solve that sustainability problem and so the way to do that you know you could try and pitch them more content, but who in the world needs more content in their life? I don't think that's much of a thing that people need most of the time. There are certain people who are pumped about it that would like it, but really what they're looking for is more connection. And if you can offer them that with each other or with yourselves, then you can do something great with you and your partner. Well, Debbie, this has been really fun. Thank you for being vulnerable and open with us and talking through this. I want everyone to go check out where do we go pod.com. Especially if you're in that key bullseye, if you're in that bullseye, you will absolutely love it. If you are married to someone in that bullseye like me, you will absolutely love it. It's very helpful. And um, yeah, highly recommend it. Debbie, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Richard. 